God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all of the great blessings you give to us as we begin a new week that has our day of national thanksgiving. We might think about the blessings of family and home and provision and government and all those blessings. But we also thank you this day for the blessing of this, for the blessing of a Christian congregation, for this Christian congregation and our part in it. Build us up in it. Let us be sustained as your people here in our pilgrimage and guide us as together we reach out into our community. We pray, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. That, that was such a surprise to me that you could have knocked me over with a feather. My geography teacher is as old as the hills. I t have told you a million times to clean your bedroom. Uh, that joke is so old, the first time I heard it, I was riding on a dinosaur. That one I liked. <laughs> uh, those are examples of hyperbole. Uh, uh, hyperbole is a uh, rhetorical device, it's a literary device that really exaggerates something to make a point. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. You're just uh, really exaggerating that to get across the point that you're very, very hungry. Hyperbole. Actually, that word hyperbole is in, in our lesson today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. The word that he's using there is hyperbole. And he's no, it's no exaggeration there. What he's saying is, this is by far and away the best way to be going. We're going to think about that as we conclude our sermon series on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on true spirituality. What does it mean to be a truly spiritual person and how do we live that out in the context of a Christian congregation. We've been working our way through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and we've spoken or, or thought especially about being parts of the body of Christ. Uh, that was a big point that Paul had made. We've got a little graphic here where Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. I think we've got it. There we go. <laughs> It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And we've been looking at thinking about membership in a congregation. It's, like not, it's not like membership in a country club or some other civic club. It's like a body and that we all fit together. We all have a place. We're all important to be connected. And so over the last many weeks, we've been focusing on being a member and that that's a good idea. And then last week we talked especially about how uh, those members are connected in Jesus Christ. And, and we said that uh, the word religion means uh, is similar to ligament. That a relig religion is a good thing. That it's that that, that, hangs, that everything else hangs together with. And that, that that helps us to all hang together here is Jesus Christ. We've been looking at how now you are the body of Christ and individually members one of another and that we all hold together in Christ. Some of you last week didn't get a copy of the book. Uh, we actually ended up giving away more than we thought we would, but we have a copy of the book, I Am a Church Member. If you didn't get that on your way out last week, we'll make sure that you get a copy uh, today. Well, as we've been working our way through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we want to come to the conclusion of it as we think about what it means to be a truly spiritual 
uh, people as, as the body of Christ. All of this was occasioned by a question. Uh, the Corinthian church had asked Paul a question, and uh, uh, a lot of times there's a question behind the question that's really the question. And there was a question behind the question that they had asked Paul. And the real question that they were asking Paul was, who's the best? Uh, they had asked about spiritual gifts and, and uh, what are the best spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues or casting out demons or uh, miracles of healing. They had these different gifts and they were uh, uh, exerting themselves uh, one against another. And, and so they had asked Paul, what does it mean to be truly spiritual? Meaning, who's the best of us? And there was a bad spirit in the church there in Corinth that was a, a party spirit, a divisive spirit, a prideful spirit, a competitive spirit. And so they were really asking, who's got the best gifts around here? And Paul was correcting them on that. He said, it's not about who you are and your gifts, but how all of the gifts fit together. That's where we have true spirituality uh, that God wants for the kingdom. It's how all of the pieces and the parts fit together. And so Paul said, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He didn't quite answer the question, who's the best? He put together a, a different proposition. That, that the thing is that everybody's got something. And that we all have something or other that comes together for the common good. So Paul had been working, uh, we've been working our way through Paul's writing on this. And, and I have to say there is something we have not yet answered. Uh, there's all this talk about spiritual gifts. And uh, there, there's a thing that, that I haven't answered for you yet that might have occurred to you. And that's... Uh, what about these gifts? Do they still exist in the church today? For instance, speaking in tongues. Do people still speak in tongues? What about gift of healing? You know, do people still have the gift of healing? Or do we say somehow that's what doctors have now? Uh, what about the gift of apostleship? Is there still such a gift in the church? We haven't really dealt with that head on. And we're not going to. Because Scripture doesn't really focus on that as such. Scripture doesn't maintain at any place. Well, here's the set of gifts that will always be maintained for the church. In fact, when, when the New Testament talks about gifts, there are different lists at different times. For instance, this is from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. It says, And He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, and some teachers. It has a little different list than what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, there's some other gifts that are listed. It talked about having the gift uh, of prophecy, uh, the gift of service, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of generosity, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy. The Bible doesn't ever give a set of gifts as if those are the gifts that are always to be maintained in the life of the church. Rather, what we should see, and what Paul is really helping us to see, it's not about which gifts, but to know that God does indeed give the right gifts to the church at the right time. God promises gifts, but not which ones. It's, it's like Christmas gifts. Uh, we've been giving Christmas gifts forever. That's a hyperbole, by the way. 
But people for a long time have given Christmas gifts. They've given gifts of jewelry, gifts of clothing, gifts of games, uh, gifts of toys. Uh, we always give those kinds. Although the particulars change from generation to generation. The kind of jewelry, the kind of clothes, the kind of game, the kind of toys. Those might cha change, but the act of gift giving doesn't. And it's that sort of picture that Paul has for us in the life of the church today. God gives to this congregation the gifts that we need for the ministry that He's put in front of us. So if we need the gift of speaking in tongues, we'll have it. If we need the gifts of miraculous healing, we'll have that gift. Paul invites us to actually turn away from the idea of which gifts are the best gifts as he concludes 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He concludes 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this way, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, turning us away from the particulars. And then he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and of course that means that Paul is launching into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which you may know is the love chapter. And typically people think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in terms of marriage and weddings. And the context of this has nothing to do with marriages or weddings. It's an appropriate thing. But the context here has nothing to do with marriages. The context of what Paul says next is about our life together. He's describing our life together. Listen to what he says. If I speak in a tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. The old King James. Now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This chapter is not about marriages and weddings. This chapter is about true spirituality in the life of a Christian congregation. This chapter is about a congregation's ministry of love. Uh, as we look at this passage, we want to see that, that our ministry of love originates in the self-originating love of God. What in the world does that mean? Does that even make sense? What does that mean? Congregation's ministry of love originates in the self-originating love of God. What is the self-originating love of God? Paul had said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, 
And the greatest of these is love. Why is it that the greatest of those is love? Sometimes we think that faith and hope are gone once we get to heaven. And there's a sense in which that's right. Once we get to heaven, we won't walk by faith or hope because we'll be there and we'll see it all. But Scripture also says there is a sense in which our our faith will continue even in eternity because we're still going to trust God for all eternity. And there's a sense in which hope will, will endure too for all eternity because even if we don't see everything all at once, we'll continue to have hope and confidence in God. So those three remain, faith, hope, and love. Why is the greatest of those love? That's the very nature of God. Uh, God is love. It never says in Scripture, God is faith. It never says in Scripture, God is hope. But it does say in Scripture, God is love. That's His nature. That's His being. Uh, and, And that love, that kind disposition, that loving disposition to the creation originates in the very nature of God and not in the things of the world. God's love is self-originating. It starts from within. God loves us not because we're so lovable. God loves us not because we're so lovely. God loves you because He loves you. That's His nature. That's what the gospel is. That's what grace is. It's His gift to you. I'm going to say something that's not very flattering. Scripture says that by nature we are blind, dead, and enemies of God. Scripture says that by nature, so to speak, we're like roadkill. You ever drive by roadkill? You go, ugh, ugh. You just want to get past it. How could you ever love roadkill? God does. Spiritual roadkill, you and me. When we were still blind, I mean, we're not that anymore, but when we were blind, dead, and enemies, Christ died for us. That's the self-originating love of God. That He loves us. And, and you can be certain of it because of, because of Him. He has grace and mercy upon you. And it's that love that then helps us to love others. The love in the life of the congregation originates in His love. We love one another not because we're so lovable, not because we're so lovely. We love others around us not because they're lovable or lovely, but because we love them. Because God has loved us. That's what He calls us to. And this love entails voluntary curtailment of freedom. To love other people is to be willing to give up of yourself. Uh, To love other people is to not insist on your own way or your own agenda, but it's to think first and foremost of those around you. That's true spirituality. That's the way of the life of the church. Uh, You might jot this down. I don't have this up on the screen anywhere. You might jot this down. Love does not equal license. Sometimes people think that. If you love me, you'd let me do whatever I want. That's license. That's chaos. That's a disaster. No part of love is to call others to account. We love what's true. We love what's honorable and what's out of place. Uh, We need to reprove. We need to uh, uh, help to uh, change those things in the lives of others. This is true spirituality in the church. It grows out of God's love for us. It's where we're willing to curtail our freedom to others. This love also then sustains one another for pilgrimage. There's a point to the love of a Christian congregation. God wants you to be a member of a congregation. And the reason that He wants you to be a member of the congregation of a congregation, one of the reasons is to help you on your pilgrimage. Listen to this. This is from Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul said, I 
uh, God gave apostles and prophets and so on. It says, to this purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, not license, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need to work to sustain one another in our pilgrimage. There are all kinds of winds of doctrines and teachings out in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is at loose out in the world. And you and I need to do just what we're doing today. Gather together to to worship. We need to gather together to study. We need to gather together to encourage one another so that you and I, us and ours, can remain firm to the end and be saved. Of course, it's not just about us. You know, we come together in love to sustain us in our pilgrimage, but also we want to reach out to others. The ministry of love extends a ministry of rescue into the community. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Paul says, you are the body of Christ. We're here to seek and to save what was lost and to help those in need. Now, uh, what I'm about to say, there's no point for pride, there's no arrogance, there's no bragging on what I'm about to say. Um, we had, we, we've had a good weekend as a congregation. You may or may not know this. Yesterday, uh, we gave away over 200 Thanksgiving baskets to people in need in our community. Yesterday, we gave away over 300 coats to people in need downtown. We served approximately 110, 100 and so people meals uh, yesterday downtown. We, we uh, had a little hymn sing, some Christmas carols with about three dozen people. It's these kinds of things and more that we need to do as a congregation. There's no pride or arrogance, but, but it's what we do. Because God has loved us and because God has given to us, we want to reach out and serve in word and deed those in the life of our community. This is what true spirituality is. Not that you can do something spectacular, but that in the midst of all of us, the love of God is revealed. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members one of another. Jesus is God's global initiative. That's how we started the fall. God sent Jesus into the world. The world is a mess. It needs help. And Jesus is God's rescue mission to the world. He came. He lived. He died. He rose again. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. And individually members one of another. May God bless our congregation. What a, what a joy to be together as the people of God. And may God bless us. May God strengthen us. May God help us to grow in love and to reach out in love to those around us. For Jesus' sake, amen. Having heard God's word, I want to invite you to rise and let's proclaim our faith as we speak together the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, 
very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was in by the virgin spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and a life for the world to come. Amen. Congregation, please be seated. Let's continue our worship with our response of gratitude. And uh, welcome to those visiting with us. Uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, today we're having a Connections Luncheon, and that's for newcomers. If, if you're here, even if it's your first time and you'd like to find out some more about our congregation, we have a light luncheon available downstairs immediately following our service. Uh, we do have a, an event for uh, kids 6th through 12th grade movie night over at Christ Campus a little later this afternoon. Uh, don't forget Thursday, well of course you're going to remember Thursday is Thanksgiving. Wednesday we have Thanksgiving Eve service uh, both at 1215 downtown, 7 o'clock here. And uh, we have a little pie uh, fellowship at the end of that. And if you want to bring a pie, that'd be great. would invite you to come uh, on, on Wednesday evening. Doing some Christmas decorating on uh, Monday, November 26. We have a number of new learning opportunities available. You know, that's is a congregation, like I said, to be strong in, in our pilgrimage. We worship, but it's also important to study together so that uh, our mind is the mind together of Christ. We have a number of classes coming. Uh, you might notice if you're new, we have our, our next new member class. It's called First Step Class. That'll begin December 2nd. Uh, we had a great event this last week. I have a little picture of our teenagers up there and uh, had uh, 30 or 40 uh, people here. What a nice fellowship uh, um, uh, that afternoon. Uh, don't forget on your way out, if you didn't get a book this last week, we have them available uh, today. Uh, it's, I, am a, a me- I am a church member. And let me invite forward Gail Reed. She's got a couple of words about some other ministries that you can be involved in. Good morning. Um, We've got a local missions group, and we've joined with a group from um, Christ Campus, Dorcas Group, Um, and our mission is to see how we can help people in our community. So between now and the end of December, we are collecting um, small household items, electrical appliances, maybe toasters or irons or coffee pots, uh, dishes, silverware, cups, glasses, and all types of linens, um, new or gently used. If you don't mind bringing them here, you can drop them off. There's a place in the fellowship hall, or if you have more than what you want to bring in, you can either call me or call the office, and we can have somebody come to your house and pick them up. Um, As you see in the narthex, we have our giving tree again this year. This is through 
family and child services or charities. Um, on each card is a name. Um, the child, it's not always children. I see some people are like age 20. There's an age where they're male and female and there's um, an item that they would like. At the bottom of the card, it says to return it to that organization, but we'd like to have you just bring it here, unwrapped by December 10th. Um, one more thing is we've all, we have on, many ongoing collections and shortly we're gonna be putting a brochure in your mailboxes that just tell you about all the collections that we have all year. And all of those things are out in the um, fellowship hall, all the areas that we collect, collect those. If you have any questions about anything, just give me a call. Thank you. All right, Gail, thank you for the work that you and your team do. Don't forget as you hear that and hear everything else, all this is in the realm of the body of Christ. We never expect everybody to do all the things. Uh, what would happen if we were all a great big eyeball so everybody doesn't have to do everything, but to make sure that all of us are doing some things in the support of our work together. Thanks, Gail. Let me invite you to rise. Let's prepare for prayer. Let us pray. Holy Lord, you have given us the gifts of your Spirit. We trust and we know that you give us good gifts, what we need and when we need it. And best of all, you have given us the gift of new life in Christ Jesus, making us members of the one true body of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, gracious God, you've called us out of the darkness and you've called us into your marvelous light. You've made us part of the body of Christ, and you've enabled us to love and to serve the world around us. Lord, we pray for our congregation's Cope Bank ministry. Bless our efforts to love and serve our neighbors through the coats that we distribute. We also pray for Family Christian Church in Perry, St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Portland, as well as the work of the Gideons International. Lord, in your mercy, blessed Lord, you create and sustain all things. Bless this land and all that lives within it. We pray for our nation and our leaders, especially Donald, our president, and Rick, our governor. Lord, be with our military troops, especially Alex, Megan, Matthew, Caleb, Adam, Dylan, Adam, Rachel, and Scott. 
Lord, we also bring before you our local emergency personnel. Grant them safety and diligence as they care for our community. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Lord, you are the divine physician, the healer of our bodies and our souls. Deliver the sick from their illness and give relief to all who suffer. We pray for Eric and Jake, both uh, receiving good news regarding cancer treatments and cancer surgery. Lord, we rejoice with them and ask that you continue to give them healing. We also pray for John, Diane, Wendy, Wendy, Jean, Linda, Sheldon, Evelyn, George, Doris, Laura, Sandy, Jessica, Roger, and Lyle. Lord, fill your people with your peace and power which surpasses all understanding. Lord, in your mercy. And Holy Lord, we now bring before you our own private prayers and petitions. Lord, in your mercy, be with us this day and forevermore. Amen. Our service continues now with Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. After giving thanks, he gave to them, saying, Take, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Amen.